What is your why? Why'd you even get out of the bed this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you wear what you wore? Why did you come here? We are here to connect. Life is about people. Advertising is about illuminating how our products and services will improve people's lives. Now, how do we do that? Love, time, death. Now these three abstractions connect every single human being on earth. Everything that we covet, everything that we fear not having, everything that we ultimately end up buying is because at the end of the day, we long for love, we wish we had more time, and we fear death. Love, time, death. Welcome to the main event. I opened this week with that clip from a movie called Collateral Beauty. If you haven't seen it, it's good. It's good. It's probably not going to win an Academy Award because it's probably makes sense. But you know, it's uh, it has a lot of good, good thinking in it, and I like that. Uh, I like that love, time, and death thing because it tells us about how we all connect because we're all people. You know what I talk about? I talk about uh, politics and I talk about business and I talk about real estate and talk about financing and all that stuff on the radio. And you know what? The bottom line is we're all people. We're all trying to we're all trying to get through life. We're all trying to connect ourselves. We're all trying to just, you know, find a way to be comfortable in our lives and and have some time with our family and have some time with our friends and and stay healthy and just just be just be stable. Just be stress-free. I don't know how you get to be stress-free, but you know what? The fact that, uh, you know, that that whole thing disconnected. I, I watched that movie uh, on Christmas. Um, Don and I uh, had our Christmas with our family on on uh, Christmas Eve, and then Christmas we went and saw movies And um, before we headed up to Mammoth to Ski. And uh, I just... I like that. I like that. I like that clip. And I thought, hey, you know what? This touches. This touches. And someone out there is going to feel it. You know what? Love, death, time, and death. That's it. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about, from a people standpoint, what's going on in this country. Everything that's going on. And you know what? I, I my, uh, my trainer, my trainer's kids, uh, he's got uh, four kids in public school and two kids in uh, charter schools and his his uh his public school kids uh ju- I think it's a junior high sent home a sent home a letter that he he sent me a picture of that uh, said that they're having two meetings this week for parents to how to deal with the kids being upset about the re- results of the election and I'm just going why would why are junior high school kids concerned about the results of this election you know what get on with your lives do your homework go home. Do your chores. Be a good person. Grow up. 
fact that Donald Trump won is a good thing. Say what? I I said I I said if I if my kids were in that school, I'd go to the I'd go to the meeting and I'd say, what the hell are you teaching my kids? Why are they upset? But that's just me. So anyway, we're gonna talk about everything that's going on in this country and uh, my opinion of it because everybody has their own opinion, has a right to their opinion, and I think everybody has a right to hear mine. So, uh, so I have the microphone. I'm gonna let you know. What my opinions are. So anyway, let me inter- for, first let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender based right here in the Inland Empire, offices all over Southern California. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities, and now that the interest rates are starting to go up, people are coming out of the woodwork to grab them. If you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, because you don't want your neighbor at work to know all your personal stuff, then stop stealing time from your boss. Wait till your, till your uh, government-mandated uh, breaks. And go on to uh, wccloans.com. You'll find all kinds of mortgage information. If you want to apply for a loan or get some information, go to Loan Center tab, click on Apply Now, put in as much information as you want me to have, and uh, let me know how much information you want back and how to contact you so I'm not calling you at work. And uh, then you can, uh, then we'll, uh, you'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, and we'll help uh, you fill in the missing pieces to your uh, real estate financing puzzle or your uh, investment, your investment. Uh, ideas or whatever whatever real estate financing related stuff that you want to want to know about if you're uh, if it's real estate and it's financing I've done it and uh, and I can help you uh, guide you your way through if you want to email me first click on the contact page fill out the form it goes directly to me and my team uh, if there's any part of the show you want repeated you can go to edhoffman.net click on the podcast page to listen to it on demand anytime you can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And uh, like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com, the main event, Ed Hoffman. So uh, let's talk about what's going on this week. Um, the Senate Judiciary Committee held confirmation hearings for Trump cabinet nominees this week, starting with Senator Jeff Sessions, Trump's appointed attorney general. Sessions' hearing got off to a rocky start thanks to Senator Al Franken, also, if you also remember him as uh, Stuart Smalley. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Well, we did like him when he was uh, writing for Saturday Night Live, but not anymore, because he is a, he's an Anthony Weiner. Um, So anyway, uh, remember the Democrats have pushed the narrative that Sessions is some kind of racist who has suppressed voting rights for African-Americans during his political career in Alabama. Here's a montage of Al Franken's ridiculous running with that during the, uh, during the hearing. Senator Sessions, in late November, President-elect Trump tweeted, quote, in addition to winning the Electoral College in a landslide, I won the popular vote if you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally. Now, let's be clear. President-elect Trump lost the popular vote by more than 2.8 million votes. So what he's saying here is that more than 2.8 fraudulent votes were cast. Do you agree with President Trump that millions 
of fraudulent votes were cast in the presidential election. Do you accept that North Carolina was targeting African-American voters, but not believe that it was engaging in discriminatory conduct? As soon as Shelby came down, you saw Texas, you saw North Carolina go, oh good, now we can suppress votes. So let me explain a few things. Number one, uh, if you take California out, I think uh, Trump lost. Uh, Hillary Clinton won California by like 4 million votes. So uh, if you take the idiots in the state that we live in away from the equation, then Trump did win the popular vote. Um, but we live on the island of idiotic and uh, and uh, there's too many uh, too many liberals in our state and I don't know how we get rid of them. Um, but you know what? We just got to retrain them, I guess. So that goes on the on the popular vote part. But um, when he talks about the suppressing votes, they're talking about asking voters to supply identification when they vote. And when he talks about when Shelby came down, then went Texas and the other states, uh, Shelby was a county in Alabama that sued Eric Holder for for saying Eric Holder said, "Hey, you shouldn't have to provide a." a a photo ID of yourself to to vote, which to me, you can't get Obamacare or an EBT card without a photo ID. So if these people aren't aren't uh, savvy enough or or uh, or have enough money to get a photo ID, they can't get the free money from us taxpayers. But uh, apparently, they shouldn't be have to be uh, required to show that ID to vote which to me and probably every logically thinking conservative in this country and probably every logically thinking anybody in this country, even the people that are calling it voter suppression, you know what? Providing an ID just eliminates a way to cheat. So, so what he's saying is when Shel when the, the, so Shelby, uh, one took it to the Supreme court, Supreme, uh, Oh, uh, Eric Holder tried to stop the thing saying that, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, require, uh, ID to vote. Eric Holder stopped it. They took it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court uh, ruled in Shelby's uh, favor and said, hey, you know, if they want to uh, require ID, they can. And then some other states went and said they, they changed their, vo their voter ID laws too. So uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, eliminating opportunities to cheat is not voter suppression. And it seems that people seem to uh, forget what people seem to forget is um, in 2008, you had uh, you can probably you can probably uh, search YouTube and put Black Panthers at polling uh, at, uh, at voting polls. Uh, the Black Panthers standing out in front of the polls uh, with with baseball bats or something along those uh, batons out in front of the polling places to try and intimidate white voters from uh from voting against Obama. At least that was my impression of it. I could be wrong. I'm not, but I could be. Um, but no one seems to remember that. And now all they're saying is, hey, we want voters to have to show ID. I think maybe we should have everybody, hey, there's no absentee voters uh, ballots anymore. You got to go dip your finger in the purple ink like they do in the Middle East. You know what? And that stuff doesn't come off for a month. Hey, you vote once. That's it. If you're not alive, you can't dip your finger in there, and if you've uh, and if you've dipped your finger in there once, you can't vote again. 
So uh, I'm perfectly happy with that. So when it was his turn to question uh, Sessions, Jeff Sessions, Ted Cruz used his time to put Franken in his place instead. Earlier in this hearing, Senator Franken engaged you in, in, in a discussion that, that I think was intended to try to undermine your character and integrity. And in particular, Senator Franken suggested that you had somehow misrepresented your record. It is unfortunate to see members of this body impugn the integrity of a fellow senator with whom we have served for years. It is particularly unfor uh, unfortunate when that attack is not backed up by the fact. Senator Franken based his attack primarily on an op-ed written by an attorney, Gerald Hebert. There is an irony in relying on Mr. Hebert because as you well know, in 1986, during your confirmation hearing, Mr. Hebert testified then and attacked you then, making false charges against you. And indeed, I would note in the 1986 hearing, two days later, Mr. Hebert was forced to recant his testimony to say that he had given false testimony to this committee and indeed to say, quote, I apologize for any inconvenience caused Mr. Sessions or this committee by my prior testimony. So an individual who's testified falsely once before this committee, his op-ed is now the basis for Senator Franken's attack on you. And indeed, the basis of Senator Franken's attack is he claims you were uninvolved in several civil rights cases that were listed on your questionnaire. In 1986, Mr. Hebert testified, this is a quote from him, I have needed Mr. Sessions' help in those cases, and he has provided that help every step of the way. Is that correct, that that's what Mr. Hebert testified? Yes, that's correct. It's amazing how Democrats can have uh, selective memory, selective hearing, selective, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's all about, it's not, you know what, understand that the majority of people out there are not engaged in what's happening in this country or what's happening in the world. They don't know, they don't care. You know, and I'm, I've had a hard time with this as well myself, um, realizing that most of my employees, most of the people I'm around, my kids, uh, my neighbors, um, just most of everybody is more worried about paying their bills. They're mo most worried about getting their kids to school on time. They're most worried about uh, making sure they got enough money to keep gas in their car. They're most worried about, um, you know, the Rams or the Chargers. Hey, the Chargers are moving to L.A. Who cares? You know what? What what impact does that have on my life? None. You know, if it has impact on even the people that are even the people that are pumped up about it, it doesn't have any impact on their lives either. But that's what they're interested in. And that's what they pay attention to. So, um. So with that, the Democrats use that knowledge and they and they throw out sound bites that knowing that most people hearing them don't know the difference. They don't know they don't they won't know that hey, you left out half the story. So Cruz didn't limit his criticism just to Franken though. He took some swipes at all the Democrats who are using these confirmation hearings as political theater. This was pretty impressive. I like I like Ted Cruz. I you know, I'm not going back on my uh, on my that I don't believe he's a natural-born citizen, so I don't think he can be president. But he could have been attorney general himself. He could be a Supreme Court justice. He could. Uh, he's he's a he's a good man, and uh, it was pretty impressive. Let's hear his montage of the points he made at this hearing. You know, this has been an interesting day at this hearing, listening to Democratic senator after Democratic senator give speeches in praise of the rule of law. 
Uh, and I am heartened by that. I am encouraged by that. Because for eight years, it's been absent. For eight years, we've seen a Department of Justice consistently disregarding the rule of law. When Eric Holder's Department of Justice allowed illegal gun transactions, illegally sold guns to Mexican gun traffickers, as part of Fast and Furious, guns that were later used to murder Border Patrol agent Brian Terry, the Democratic members of this committee were silent. When Eric Holder was found in contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with Congress's investigation into Fast and Furious, once again, the Democratic members of this committee were silent. When the Department of Justice used Operation Chokepoint to target legal businesses because they disagreed politically with those businesses, the Democrats on this committee were silent. When the Obama Justice Department sent millions of dollars of taxpayer monies to sanctuary cities that were defying federal immigration law, the Democrats on this committee were silent. When the Obama administration refused to enforce federal immigration laws and unilaterally rewrote those laws, the Democrats on this committee were silent. When the Obama administration released tens of thousands of criminal illegal aliens, including rapists and murderers, into the general population, Democrats on this committee were silent. When the Department of Justice signed off on the Obama administration paying a nearly $2 billion ransom to Iran, contrary to federal law, the Democrats on this committee were silent. When the Obama administration ignored and rewrote provision after provision of Obamacare, contrary to the text of the law, the Democrats on this committee were silent. When the Obama administration signed off on illegal recess appointments, that the Supreme Court had to strike down unanimously, the Democrats on this committee were silent. And when the Obama administration released five Guantanamo terrorists without the required notification of Congress, the Democrats on this committee were silent. If we were to play a game of tit for tat, if what was good for the goose were good for the gander, then a Republican Attorney General should be equally partisan, should disregard the law, should advance political preferences favored by the Republican Party. Senator Sessions, do you believe that would be appropriate for an attorney general to do? No, I do not. I believe you. And I think we do have to be aware that when something like this is done, and, and some of the things I'm familiar with enough to agree with you that I thought were improper, I do believe it has a corrosive effect on public confidence in the constitutional republic of which we are sworn to uphold. You know what? It's amazing that the Democrats sound like they're so ethical and so on. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're so uh, so just honest and 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 they just won't have any conflicts of interest. But they have a hard time. They have a hard time looking in the mirror. You know, maybe the Democrats are the Vampire Party because they can't look in the mirror. There's no reflection. I don't know. Just uh, amazing to me that people are so forgetful of how it was just a few days ago or a few months ago or a few years ago. When Sessions hearing continued Wednesday, New Jersey uh, Senator Cory Booker was used as the Democrat Party prop to steal the spotlight. For those of you who don't know, Booker is being groomed by the Democrats to be the next Barack Obama. They probably will have him run against Trump in four years. Here's some political, which I think is is going to be uh, a really disservice if this Cory Booker is any... any uh, uh, if he has any value, because if Trump does what I think he's going to do, there's not going to be any chance of anybody taking him out of out of uh, out of office if he wants 
if he wants to run again. But here's some uh, here's some of the political theater uh, Booker staged by being the first senator to speak out against another senator's cabinet appointment. We cannot count on him to support state and national efforts towards bringing justice to the justice system. The next attorney general must bring hope and healing to this country. And this demands a more courageous empathy than Senator Sessions' record demonstrates. Now, uh, one of the reasons why this is so ironic is that Booker and Sessions actually worked together on a civil rights legislation. And here's Booker admitting that in the same very same rant where he criticized him. He and I have always exercised a collegiality and a mutual respect between us. Perhaps the best example of this is the legislation we co-sponsored to award the Congressional Gold Medal to those foot soldiers who marched at Selma. So, uh, I don't know, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, does this guy like him or not? You know, you can't really tell. On the five, Kimberly Guilfoyle had harsh words for Cory Booker. You know, I know Cory Booker personally, you know, very well. And um, I just think that it was disappointing to me because I feel that he was pushed into this. This to me is just, you know, really just politics at its worst. You have a guy here that would sit there and disparage someone who has really served our country and has been a great leader in the civil rights movement in Sessions. And for him to sit there to try to become like the next guy to run against, you know, President-elect Trump to try and position himself in the party that is completely what that was about like strip it down naked that's what he did he knows it and it shows that he's going to be able to be pushed to do whatever it takes and he'll say anything uh to get elected yep this guy is a going to be a democrat um uh, puppet you can actually see the strings for the marionette the democrat party is just just work, working his strings and we have uh three more confirmation hearings to talk about uh starting with the two that happened thursday Congressman Mike, Mike Pompeo, Trump's pick for CIA director, has served on the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Select Committee on Benghazi. But our uh, brand new senator from California, Kamala Harris, wanted to question him on what really matters, how he plans to treat gay CIA, CIA employees. You will not put in place any policies that would discriminate against any members because of their sexual orientation. Ma'am, I, I can't imagine putting in place any policy was, that was discriminatory with respect to any employee. Give me a break. Then she focused on on a matter that has absolutely nothing to do with the CIA, climate change. CIA Director Brennan, who spent a 25-year career at the CIA as an analyst, a senior manager, and station chief in the field, has said that when, quote, CIA analysts look for deeper causes of rising instability in the world, one of the causes those CIA analysts see as the is the impact of climate change. Do you have any reason to doubt the assessment of these CIA analysts? Uh, Senator Harris, I haven't had a chance to, to read those materials with respect to uh, climate change. Yeah, you know, uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot one more time. What does the CIA and climate change have to do with each other? What does, uh, you know, how did we elect this person to be our senator? Oh, yeah, I forgot. We live in California, the land of fruits and nuts. So uh, we have... You know, we put who, you know, who voted for this lady? She's our new senator. We could have had Tom Del Beccaro, but no, some of you guys didn't come out for the, for the uh, primary and put a Republican on the ballot for the, so we had a choice of uh, stupid and stupider, dumb or dumber. So uh, also on Thursday, uh, Ben Carson took the stand for his hearing 
uh, to be confirmed on the next as the next Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Listen to the ridiculous question Senator Sherrod Brown asked him. Do you believe that HUD has a duty to take actions and promote equal access to housing opportunities for LGBTQ people? Uh, if confirmed uh, in this position, uh, of course, I would enforce all the laws of the land. And I believe that all Americans, regardless of any of the things that you mentioned, should be protected by the law. Yeah, I thought, you know, he... Uh Carson went on to expand, expand to say, hey, you know what? Housing and urban development has always been thought of as a as an agency that helps the uh, the minorities and the poor people. But he thinks it could be so much more than that. I love Ben Carson. He's a thinker. He's a he's got great common sense and great, uh, great. Uh, he's just a thinker and he's calm and cool. And I think he's going to be a great HUD secretary. Anyway, I'm out of time for part one. We're going to continue with all the, all that's gone on this week after five minutes of commercials, traffic, and weather. Don't go away. We'll be right back with part two. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about a lot about uh, mortgages or real estate, but if you want to talk about mortgages or real estate, there's nobody better than me. There's nobody better than Wholesale Capital. Call me toll free at 855-650-2020. And if you hear if you hear on this show that somebody who thinks like you, somebody who has some common sense, that goes, hmm, let me think about this. Let's let me not just listen to the TV and let's uh and listen to what they tell me to think. Let me hear the whole story and let me consider this for myself. If if that's someone who thinks like you, that's me, that's what you want. You know what? Uh, as mortgage companies go, whether you're buying, whether you're refinancing or buying or getting a reverse mortgage, we all sell the same stuff. When the rates are all basically the same, the only difference is who guides you towards the right decision for you. And uh, so, if you want someone who thinks logically and thinks uh, and will do the right thing for what's best for you, not what's best for them, call me eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. Websites wccloans.com. So we've been talking about the uh, the uh, Senate confirmation hearings. We talked about uh, about uh, Jeff Sessions. We talked about uh, uh, Rex Tillerson, and we talked about uh, Mike Pompeo a little bit, and we talked about uh, Ben Carson a little bit. One of the most anticipated hearings. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Rex T- Tillerson. We're going to talk about Rex Tillerson. One of the most anticipated hearings was former Exxon Mobil CEO Rex Tillerson. The question about his his uh, his qualifications for Secretary of State. Remember, Tillerson was a controversial choice because of all the business he's done with Russia. Surprisingly, his hearing went smoothly. The only interesting moment, well, I won't say the only interesting moment, but one of the one of the ones that stood out to me uh, was a moment delivered by Marco Rubio, who asked Tillerson whether he believed Vladimir Putin was directly involved in the Russian hacking of DNC to interfere with our election. You've engaged in significant business activities in Russia, so I'm sure you're aware that very few things of a major proportion happen in that country without... Vladimir Putin's permission. So I ask, based on your views of Russian politics and your experience, is it possible for something like this involving the United States elections to have happened without Vladimir Putin knowing about it and uh, and, and authorizing it? I think that's a fair assumption. You know, does anybody really think that Donald Trump won because of Vladimir, because of Russia hacking? Does anybody really think that there's nobody that hacks anybody? Does anybody remember how... Uh, I think it was 2010. We got busted for uh, for uh, listening in on Angela Merkel, the uh, the prime minister, uh, prime minister or the or the chancellor of Germany, um, listening to her cell phone calls. 
You don't think the the United States does this to other countries? You don't think? Does anybody remember the movie from uh, I don't know 1980 uh, called War Games with Matthew Broderick? You know, Bueller, Bueller, not not same same actor, different movie. Uh, War Games where they they uh, he goes on his computer and connects it to the internet. You know, picks up the phone and go, puts it on the little saddle. Then goes in, then hacks into the to the uh, computer at the school and changes all his grades to A's, and then they go on and and they accidentally get onto the defense department and they're looking for, to play some video games. What game would you like to play today? How about thermonuclear uh, warfare or something like that? And they accidentally start a they are accidentally start nuclear war in the uh, in the state department. Or in the in the defense department, and the the government's going crazy, and they don't realize it's just a game that he's playing with the computer. I don't know. Is this something new? Hacking? Hello. And then here's the here's the clip that really got me with uh, Rubio uh, questioning Tillerson. You are still not prepared to say that Vladimir Putin and his military have violated the rules of war and have conducted war crimes in Aleppo. Now, those are very, very serious uh, charges to make, and I would want to have much more information before reaching a conclusion. There's so much information out there. You know, I find it discouraging, your inability to, to cite that. Yeah, there's so much information out there. Just just Google. Just Google Putin war criminal. Why don't you do that? And then make some, then make some, uh, some decision that Putin's a, a war criminal. You know, we got a whole new, whole new uh, administration coming in. A chance to make a whole new uh, impression on the world. Why are Senator Rubio's and McCain and all these guys pushing everybody to call this guy a war criminal? And I'm not, and I'm not defending Putin, but you know, does anybody realize this stuff is being viewed by everybody around the world? Can you keep this to a closed door meeting? Can you maybe do something, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, competent? It's probably not the word I'm looking for, but can you guys, can you guys pull your heads out of your uh, nether regions and, and think about what should we not say on global television? Let's not isolate one other global leader that, I don't know, has nuclear bombs. Let's, uh, let's let Trump get in there and let's let his administration do what they do. We all know we look like look like wusses on the world stage um, to everybody else because of our current our current president. One more week, one more week, one more week. Next Friday is it. So anyway, that's my that's my common sense analysis of that. So uh, then there's this fake news story. Uh, speaking of Russia, controversy this week, uh, courtesy of the website BuzzFeed, the site published an unverified dossier, which means memo, alleging that. Uh, Russia has compromise has compromising information on Donald Trump. The story has gotten complicated, so here's a quick recap. Tuesday night, Buzz, BuzzFeed published a 35-page dossier, which was compiled by a former British spy. Around the same time, CNN revealed that the information had been included in classified materials presented last week to both Trump and President Obama. The memo describes how some Russians allegedly gave information about Trump to the British spy. According to BuzzFeed's article, the the collection of memos written over a period of months includes specified, unverified, and potentially unverifiable allegations of contact between Trump, between Trump aides and Russian operatives, as well as graphic claims of sexual acts documented by the Russians. We can't say uh, what these uh, alleged sexual acts were on the radio, but 
Uh, it's easy to find online. The article also alleged that Michael Cohen, a lawyer for Trump, secretly met with Kremlin officials in Prague in uh, August of 2016. Minutes after the uh, article was published, Trump tweeted, fake news, a total political witch hunt. Cohen also tweeted in his response, I have never been to Prague in my life. By Tuesday night, BuzzFeed's Ben Smith tweeted on admission, tweeted an admission that the site had published unverified information. But by that time, CNN had its entire primetime lineup devoted to covering the story as if it were true. They were, they were, they were just feeding on this stuff. It's like uh, ants in a box of donuts. Wow, we got some stuff on Trump. Let's go for it. Don't verify if it's real or not. As part owner of BuzzFeed, NBC is taking heat for this too. So to save their skin, they had uh, Chuck Todd do an emergency interview with uh, Ben Smith from BuzzFeed uh, with uh, Smith for Meet the Press's website. You just published fake news. We just published a dossier. No, I think that's a really... Why is that not a fair... Why is that an unfair description? I think people love to throw the term fake news around to to diminish anything they don't like. But I think this was a real story about a real document that was really being passed around between the very top officials of this country. And then the question you say is, okay, it's okay for you to check Todd to see this document. It's okay for me to see it. Okay for John McCain. Okay for the CIA. What's... Mm -hmm. Why is it not okay for your audience? Or why is it like which of your audience members are you comfortable showing it to? And I think when people are, as Harry Reid did, top officials are making, not just seeing it, making decisions based on it, it is appropriate to tell your audience and to respect the fact that they can say this looks like nonsense. All right. It seems to me there, there, it's almost as if you're saying there was, there was only two choices you had here, not publish or publish. There is a gray area. You know what, uh, it's amazing to me. It's it's like uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, um, people aren't engaged and they hear what they hear, and that's it. They don't hear the retraction, they don't hear the apology, they don't know the other side of the story, and uh, the trick is get it out there. Get out there. If you remember uh, when Harry Reid, when uh, Mitt Romney was running for president, he said Mitt Romney hasn't paid taxes in ten years. We have proof of that. And then uh, as Harry Reid was getting ready to retire last month, he said, well, I said things that I had to say to get the job done, to get uh, to get Obama reelected. You know what? Where's where is the where is the the where is the uh, accountability for what that did to our country? I mean, think about it. Eight years ago, if eight years ago we knew that. We're gonna put this this uh, this good-looking, smooth-talking black guy into office who's promising hope and change. If we knew that eight years later, we would have accomplished nothing but but spending ten trillion dollars, and we wouldn't be any better off than we are than we were eight years ago. In fact, we'd be worse in a lot of aspects. Would we have still would would anybody have been enthusiastic about reelecting him, or about electing him to begin with? So. Uh, so we go on. So then, uh, Trump gave his long anticipated press conference on, uh, on Wednesday, CNN, uh, CNN paid the price for running the story. Um, because here's what happened when CNN's Jim Acosta tried to question in. 
Michael Cohn. Sir, since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Go since ahead. You're, no, Mr. President-elect. Go ahead. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you. Not you. can you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking terrible. our news organization. Your organization Can you give us a chance Let's to go. ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can you state... Quiet. Mr. President-elect, go ahead. Can you say categorically... She's asking a question. Don't be rude. Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. Can you state categorically... You are fake news. Sir, can you... For those of you that didn't see this, I was watching it live. I was actually late to a uh, meeting at my office because I was watching this. I'm going, I got to record this. This this is great. I can't believe I can't believe this is happening. This is this is awesome. And uh, and uh, as well as well, if you uh, this is setting this is setting a new standard for uh, for the the press. Hey, you know what? You don't get to uh, just lie and do all this stuff and still be able to have uh, access to the president. And uh, I I just love that Trump just shut him down didn't didn't even hesitate, and uh, and this press conference we had a lot more to it than that. So let's talk about the rest of the press conference. I was totally impressed because uh, and I and I see it on that on uh, Wednesday morning, and I'm seeing I'm listening on Friday morning here now how they're concerned about Trump's concerned about ethics, and I think he completely he completely went above and beyond at this press conference. I was uh, I was uh, never more proud of who he uh, who he elected as president. I hope he, uh, you know what? I I wonder how. I wonder how people that were really engaged felt this time in 1980. Because I voted for I voted for Ronald Reagan and, um, but I was 19 at the time, and um, you know, you just don't have the same engagement. And the same feeling about this country at 19 as you do at 55, and uh, I just I feel like this is where we're going now. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the rest of the uh, the rest of the press conference. Continuing to talk about the Russia controversy, Trump said two things that we've been thinking all along. If Putin likes Donald Trump, guess what, folks? That's called an asset, not a liability. Now, I don't know that I'm going to get along with Vladimir Putin. I hope I do, but there's a good chance I won't. And if I don't, do you honestly believe that Hillary would be tougher on Putin than me? Does anybody in this room really believe that? Give me a break. You know, it's uh, funny. Listen, I've uh, listened to uh, George W. Bush talk about um, talk about his relationship with with uh, Putin. And, uh, you know, he like he he said, you you set a you set a, a goal to try and have a a relationship with him, and he introduces him to when he's in the White House. He introduces Putin to to Barney, uh, the or maybe it was at the at the ranch, but Putin was here. Introduced him to his dog Barney, and then uh, when he's over in uh, the Kremlin uh, a year or two later, and uh, uh, Putin makes a point to introduce him to to his dog, and he goes, "Oh look, I forget what is his dog's name." He goes. Better, faster, stronger than Barney, and he goes. He goes. At that point, I realized where Putin's coming from. He wants to. He wants to always have a step up. He always wants to have a leg up. He always wants to one up me. And he said. He said. I. I reevaluated, and I. And I, you know, you. You let that. That. Uh. That relationship grow and evolve, and you see where it's going, and you. You limit how much. Uh. How much. Uh. Trust you have with people, and that's. That's how you. That's how how uh, relationships and how uh, business relationships develop as well. So uh, 
Well, on the topic, uh, when the, the, then the topic re- moved over to Obamacare, Trump made it clear that he will move forward with repealing Obamacare and that the Democrats' efforts to turn replacement law into Trump care is not going to work. Listen to this. We could sit back and wait and watch and criticize. And we could be a Chuck Schumer and sit back and criticize it. And people would come, they would come, begging to us, please, we have to do something about Obamacare. We don't want to own it. We don't want to own it politically. They own it right now. Yes, but the most impressive part, but the most impressive part of this whole conference was when Trump organization lawyer Sherry Dillon took the stage. In a 14-minute address, Dillon presented the following solutions for any conflicts of interest involved with the Trump's businesses while he was president. I was completely impressed with this. As you know, the business empire built by President-elect Trump over the years is massive, not dissimilar to the fortunes of Nelson Rockefeller when he became vice president. But at that time, no one was so concerned. Through the trust agreement, he has relinquished leadership and management of the Trump organization to his sons, Don and Eric, and a longtime Trump executive, Alan Weisselberg. Together, Don, Eric, and Alan will have the authority to manage the Trump Organization and will make decisions for the duration of the presidency without any involvement whatsoever by President-elect Trump. President-elect Trump, as well as Don, Eric, and Alan, are committed to ensuring that the activities of the Trump Organization are beyond reproach and cannot be perceived to be exploitive of the office of the presidency. President-elect Trump will resign from all officer and other positions he holds with the Trump Organization entities. President-elect Trump first ordered that all pending deals be terminated. This impacted more than 30 deals, many of which were set to close by the end of 2016. As you can well imagine, that caused an immediate financial loss of millions of dollars, not just for President-elect Trump, but also for Don, Ivanka, and Eric. To further reinforce the wall that we are building between President-elect Trump and the Trump Organization, President-elect Trump has ordered, through his trust agreement, to sharply limit his information rights. Reports will only be available and reflect profit and loss on the company as a whole. There will be no separate business-by-business accounting. Another step that President-elect Trump has taken is he created a new position at the Trump Organization position of Chief Compliance Counsel, whose responsibility will be to ensure that the Trump businesses, again, are operating at the highest levels of integrity and not taking any actions that could be perceived as exploiting the office of the presidency. The Constitution does not require President-elect Trump to do anything here. But just like with conflicts of interests, he wants to do more than what the Constitution requires. So President-elect Trump has decided, and we are announcing today, that he is going to voluntarily donate all profits from foreign government payments made to his hotels to the United States Treasury. This way, it is the American people who will profit. Well, the American people won't actually profit, but we'll pay down some of the debt that Barack Obama spent over the last 10 years being such a great president, doing such great things for this country as he... uh, as he so eloquently reminded us on his uh, farewell speech on um, Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday night. So uh, he gave his Wednesday night uh, farewell speech. But you know what? That the What Trump's doing to me is above and beyond. You know what? Uh, the president and vice president are exempt from running their businesses while they're in office. The 
president and vice president could continue. The secretary of state is not exempt. Um, basically, any of the other any other uh, position in the government are not exempt, but the president and the vice president are are exempt. He doesn't have to do any of this stuff. However, the fact that he's gone this far, he's you know he the, what the, some of the things they didn't say is they canceled the Trump organization canceled all pending transactions that didn't close before twelve thirty one sixteen. They canceled them. So there would be no no uh, no concern that there was conflict of interest on anything going on that there was any presidential power used to close anything, and uh, and he just canceled them. That's millions of pro- millions of profit to the organization to his family that he that he just gave away to make sure that everybody uh, no one no one thought that he well you know what Trump makes money on the backs of the little people you know what BS here's a guy who's making a full on he says I'm all in. For America, this is what I'm doing, and I think that's completely awesome. Almost brought tears to my eyes uh, watching the watching the whole press conference. I was I was moved. I was very moved by this, and uh, and folks, I really think uh, I really I really have high hopes for um, the next eight years. Certainly the next certainly the next uh, one to four. Um, so anyway, uh, like I started to say, Obama did his. Uh, all the presidents are given the opportunity to make their farewell speech addressed to the nation, but only Barack Obama would use his one last opportunity to lecture America, uh, lecture America. Speaking before an audience in Chicago, Obama spent a large portion of his speaking time about what else? Race. After my election, there was talk of a post-racial America. And such a vision, however well intended, was never realistic. Race remains a potent and often divisive force in our society. If every economic issue is framed as a struggle between a hardworking white middle class and an undeserving minority, then workers of all shades are going to be left fighting for scraps while the wealthy withdraw further into their private enclaves. If we're unwilling to invest in the children of immigrants just because they don't look like us, we will diminish the prospects of our own children because those brown kids will represent a larger and larger share of America's workforce. Can you imagine a way to be more divisive in this country and then you know, you know, post-racial America would have been possible. Hey, it wasn't realistic. It was realistic if you didn't have such a chip on your shoulder, Barack Hussein Obama to to back up everybody who's black and everybody who's Muslim and quick to blame quick to blame everybody who's who's white and everybody who's a cop everybody who wears a wears a blue uniform for every every problem in America but that wasn't all let's hear some more Obama quoted a passage from the book To Kill a Mockingbird about living somewhere in somebody else's skin for blacks and other minority groups that means tying our own very real struggles for justice to the challenges that a lot of people in this country face. Not only the refugee or the immigrant or the rural poor or the transgender American, but also the middle-aged white guy who from the outside may seem like he's got advantages, but has seen his world upended by economic and cultural and technological change. We have to pay attention and listen. 
For white Americans, it means acknowledging that the effects of slavery and Jim Crow didn't suddenly vanish in the 60s. But when minority groups voice discontent, they're not just engaging in reverse racism or practicing political correctness. When they wage peaceful protest, they're not demanding special treatment, but the equal treatment that our founders promised. Unbelievable. Us white people have been upended by by regulation and taxation and government interference. has nothing to do with culture and technology and uh, Jim Crow and all that stuff. But he didn't only talk about race. Naturally, he celebrated his accomplishments with great exaggeration. If I had told you eight years ago that America would reverse the Great Recession, reboot our auto industry, and unleash the longest stretch of job creation in our history... up a new chapter with the Cuban people, shut down Iran's nuclear weapons program without firing a shot, take out the mastermind of 9-11. If I had told you that we would win marriage equality and secure the right to health insurance for another 20 million of our fellow citizens, if I told you all that, You might have said our sights were set a little too high. But that's what we did. Yeah, BS. Uh, Hey, I'm out out of time. I have lots of comments on this. I think I'll take this up on next week's show as well. Uh, Anyway, uh, hey, let's all celebrate. This is the last show during Barack Obama's uh, presidency. We're done. Hallelujah. Next Friday is it. Everybody will be at uh, inauguration uh, enjoy, enjoy the the rest of Obama's presidency, and try not to uh, to hang yourself beforehand. Let's celebrate 2017. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. And I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.